Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey everyone, just before we start the show, I I wanted to take a second to say a few words about our, our very kind sponsors. 100 Resilient Cities is a part of the Rockefeller Foundation, which which you'll probably know is one of the world's largest charitable endowments. 100 Resilient Cities is is focused on, on helping cities around the world become more resilient to the, the social, physical and economic challenges of the 21st century. They're doing some excellent projects in terms of, you know, environmental sustainability, in terms of economic sustainability, and just in terms of, you know, making life generally better for everyone in cities from Manchester to to Miami, to Melbourne, to Montevideo. You can find out lots more, including reading up on some of those fantastic projects, at their website, which is 100resilientcities.org. Anyway, now on with the show. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skyline's The City Metric Podcast. You know, I sometimes in my darker moments worry that the kind of platonic ideal form of an episode of Skylines would just be me apologising for the the sound quality for like, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And then we never get to actually talking about cities at all. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. Before we get to that, though, I'll give you I'll give you the sort of background. A few few months ago, we we did an episode uh, with my colleague Pauline Bock and my my friend, the journalist Marie Leconte, about about cities in their native France, how the French economy works, how French government works, and kind of whether whether different cities fit into the French national picture. And that seemed to that seemed to go down pretty well. And so I've been kind of trying to think of you know who else is there I can kind of drag in t- to talk about uh, a country where perhaps we're not as familiar with the, the urban geography as we should be. And I realised that uh, our our friends and and partners at the Centre for Cities have uh, not one but two Italian researchers working on their staff, helpfully enough, from, from different ends of, the, of that great country. So I thought, you know, let's let's try the same trick again. You're going to hear a fantastic conversation now full of interesting stuff, but there are some minor technical problems. And, you know, for once, the technical problems are not my own incompetence, which they normally are. It's purely that, you know, we're in a room next to a courtyard where there's some building work going on. Uh, it's just unfortunate. It was the only. It was the only place in time we could we could do that recording, and it is in places rather more audible than I hoped it would be. But it's still a very fine conversation, and you know if you've if you if you've been bearing with us this long, you'll probably be used to the fact that we're not you know we're not like we're not like ninety nine percent invisible. We're not one of the best produced podcasts out there. We are a little bit scrappy, and uh, if if not exactly proud of it, then you know I'm I'm not entirely ashamed of it either. So anyway, let's roll the tape. 
I'm here in the offices of the Centre for Cities think tank in London's fashionable London Bridge district. There's some slightly noisy building work going on outside, which is tragically inevitable, but we're, we're hoping to, they'll, they'll keep quiet for us. Anyway, I'm here with some very fine and clever people who are going to tell me all about Italy. Can I ask you to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Elena Magrini. I'm a researcher here at the Centre for Cities. I'm from Italy, from Bergamo, so near Milan, so in the, the north. The north. And I'm Gabriele Piazza, I'm a researcher at the Centre for Cities and I'm from Palermo uh, in Italy. Which is way down south in Sicily, That's right? right, yes, it's the main city in Sicily, yeah. So, okay, the, the, the thing that I find uh, quite interesting about Italy is, it, like, like Britain, Italy has a north-south divide. But it's kind of the other way up. The north is the rich bit, the south is the, the, the less prosperous bit. Is that, is, is that a fair assessment? Um, yes, that's the, 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 the South has been historically uh, poorer than the North. The latest statistics say the GDP per capita is 44% lower than the, the centre-North, and that's been the case since unification. Yeah. That's correct, 44% less, so it's not, yeah. that's not much over half the level of yeah, that's right. productivity. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's, actually, that's probably bigger than England's one, isn't it? Yeah, we compared to, so the, great, the greater the northern Italy is much bigger than the greater southeast. So, and the Mezzogiorno, which is another name for southern Italy, is much bigger than uh, the north. So we compared to kind of big regions. And one of the differences also that here you've got London is with the massive city and as the main driver of economic growth or some people would say, whereas in Italy we don't have one city that is driving everything, it's more the, this regional divide. That's, okay, that's an interesting place to start really, is like, so Italy only unified in what, 1861? That's that? correct, good knowledge. I know my stuff. Um, <laughs> But I also think the amazing thing about Italian unification is like, you know, um, Garibaldi sort of marches up the country of an army, unifying it, and then like, doesn't want to be a dictator. It's like, right, I'm done, I'm off home, thanks for that. Absolutely fantastic. Anyway, obviously one of the problems we have in this country is, is that London dominates everything. But Italy was like lots and lots of different countries as recently as 150 years ago. Do you think that has kind of enabled all the cities to retain their own sort of separate identities and power bases? Has that been important? Yeah, uh, but I think it's more rather than a city point of view, it's a regional, as you said, because kind of the regions that we have at the moment, we have 20 regions, they correspond to the kind of old uh, kingdoms that we had before unifications and they stay the same. And some of them, particularly those at the borders, they kind of kept their autonomy and independence and it's uh, reflecting the current political uh, system at the local level. So you go uh, Sicily, Sardinia, uh, Trentino, Valle d'Aosta, and, and Trieste, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, they've got more powers than the others because of their particular political, different political identity and uh, cultural identity. Yeah, and also you see very much it also in the language and in different regions you've got different dialects there and each region has a strong cultural identity that's different from every other region. That's also in terms of food, but a range of things. Yeah. So, give give me a couple of examples. Like, what does if I say Tuscany? <laughs> what does Tuscany mean? Well, what? Tuscany is where the Italian language is from, isn't it? It's like it used I to be. I was from Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> It used to be like a very important uh, a long time ago. It was one of the most 
how you say, flower, flourish uh, regions of Italy, but it wasn't the only one because, of course, then there was other kingdoms uh, and you had uh, Venice, for example, being also important, Genoa being important, Naples being important. So how about, um, I don't know, the, the Veneto, it's the Venice region, right? Like, what does that, where does that kind of fit in the national picture? If, if, if I say Venice, what's the stereotype? Let's go with that. Lots of tourists, then? Yeah, well, if you think about the tourists, so you got yeah, all the new legislation about uh, trying to manage the cost of tourism and the number of tourists uh, coming to the city, so that's, I think, one of the biggest stereotypes you just connect Venice with. Tourism, yeah. Also, yeah, they got the Doge a long time ago. They had this oh, then, uh, yeah. new kind of like a mayor right now. There was like uh, the chief of the small kingdom, yeah. But um, Doge meant the Duke, didn't it? So kind of, I think that's the English equivalent. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. Let's get back to the the, the north south divides thing. Like, what impact does that have on Italian politics? Like, that's kind of quite a big factor, isn't it? It is, yeah. You, we saw that in the recent election. So you had the, the South, where the five-star movement got almost half percent of the votes, whereas in the North, it was the centre-right uh, that got the uh, biggest share of votes. We got the Northern, the Northern League, now the League, has uh, changed its name. Uh, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It uh, was a PR move, and it worked quite well. They're, they're trying to appeal to regions outside the yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, it worked quite well. Yeah, so you got this divide, and then you got the centre, historically had the, uh, was more centre-left, but actually they lost ground um, in the recent elections. So you have this kind of north-south divide uh, that's reflected in politics and has been the case for many decades, although now we had a different kind of uh, party system that has emerged from the most recent elections. Yeah, the left only kept uh, Tuscany, I think. Tuscany and uh, Trentino. So, yeah, Tuscany is the only left region left in terms of votes. Yeah. But when we look at cities, actually, it's different because it's yeah. the, they've been historically centre-left, apart from a few in the north. Liga Nord was, is basically a, a separatist party from northern Italy, right? It used to be. Uh, is, it, is it shifted? Is it not that anymore? Yeah, so. well, they, they were born on this principle of wanting a federalist country in which the North would retain more powers and wouldn't give. The, the assumption was uh, we raise a lot of taxes in the North, we don't want to spend them just in the South, we want to retain more of this money to make our economy grow bigger. But now, as Gabriele said earlier, they changed their name. They're not the League Nord anymore, they're just the League and they protect the interests of all Italians. And I think the shift is also related to some of the uh, cultural changes in Italy because uh, in the past you had you had this difference in between the North and the South with a lot of migrants from the South moving to the North that many people didn't, didn't, didn't like it. And so part of the uh, reason for federalism was also related to this, uh, but now these patterns have shifted and there is not as much as migration or the, it's not perceived in the same negative ways, so people moving from the north to the south of Italy, and now they change and they want to appeal also to the whole country and not just the north. So can I just clarify, was it was, it was never like a full-on independence movement, it wasn't like the SNP or the Catalan, it was about fewer financial transfers within Italy rather than breaking away, is that? I think within the party, of course, you had some yeah. more extremists that uh, argued for independence, but then the more they became institutionalized and they want to make political gains, they shifted to a more federalism. 
So. Yeah, and I think a while ago they were talking about Veneto independence or Lombardy independence. But come on, like these regions, uh, they're very. I mean, they're very wealthy regions, but they're kind of small in scale too. So I mean, it worked. It worked pretty well until the mid nineteenth century, didn't it? So, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why not again? <laughs> Why not again? Yeah. So, so how did this go down in the south? Like, how do people feel about the fact that it's just the entire political party saying we want to stop giving them money, basically? Well, <laughs> I, I think, funny enough, yet yeah, there's some kind of independent independentist movement in the south as well. So in Sicily, a few years ago, the party that won the they got the president of the region was the uh, movement for autonomy of Sicily. They want more independence, but that's quite funny because Sicily has got kind of all powers that a region could have. So they've got kind of fiscal autonomy, but it's not really fiscal autonomy because they keep the taxes, but they don't raise them enough. So they need a top up from the central government. So in a way, in the past, I think the Northern League was seen as kind of racist towards the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's been a shift because of with Salvini, it kind of changed the rhetoric and they're no longer seen as uh, racist. But on the, on the other hand, people in the South are aware that they need fiscal support from the central government because the economy is not doing well. I mean, we're talking about the north and the south. Is there a, where's the line? Is there a sort of middle bit that's not in either region? Uh, <laughs> we got different opinions. Okay, well, cool, this is fun. Come on, let's have an argument. Okay, so, Eleanor, where do you think the line is? Well, Anything it, below Milan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. Most people, I think, would agree the line is below Rome, right? So below Rome is the south. For some other people, Rome is already the south. <laughs> <laughs> And for other people, the line is uh, at the level of Bologna, so Emilia-Romagna, so before the Apennines, so everything below the mountains is south. But, I mean... That's, that's quite a long way north, isn't it? That's yeah. Really <laughs> that's, that's basically the entire sort of peninsula, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Because it's funny, because when we talk about the north and south divide, also in terms of uh, the political patterns now, five-star movements got votes uh, pretty much everywhere in the peninsulas rather than uh, so below the Apennines and not just below Rome so so Rome is the south that's what you're saying no 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, the, the south we consider economically maybe maybe shifting I don't know can you see this so so we have just had these two these two different populist parties right yeah. like, are they are they are they presenting different visions like and how do, what, what, how do their policies differ they do differ. So, I mean, one of the arguments that you um, that you come across if you read the Italian media is that one party, so the Northern League, for example, the main issues was, oh, sorry, the League now, the main issue was migration and uh, support for uh, small and medium businesses. That's why the main policies was a, a flat tax uh, for all business and family. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the South, whereas the Five Star Movement, the main policy was support for uh, people out of work, a fight against corruptions, and so on and so forth. And the main policy was the basic income, and that's probably that's one of the reasons probably why it went down quite well in the south, and the other one went down well in the north. So, so I mean, it sounds like just two different visions of populism. There's kind of a left-wing populism, which is about supporting people in an area that's, that's struggling, perhaps. And there's a sort of more right-wing populism where it's about, like, you know, cutting taxes and so on. Is that is that a fair assessment, Anna? Uh Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's pretty much that, or at least that was in principle. I think uh, the Five Stars movement doesn't have a 
party, so they don't say they're left or they're right, they just want to say they're different mm. from the old political establishment. But for some of the policies, for example, the basic income, you would think that they tend more to the left. And yet again, they have went on collision with the right. So, so, so bring us up to speed. Forgive me, I've not, I, 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 I don't claim to understand Italian politics. <laughs> it's like you, Italy now does have a government. Which yes, we do. We have a, it's a coalition, right? What's a coalition that? government with uh, Conte oh, as right. <laughs> prime minister, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, two vice prime ministers, which are uh, uh, Di Maio and Salvini, so the leader of both political parties, and both of them now got the ministers, the ministry, they basically had the political campaign on. So uh, Di Maio as the Ministry for Economic Development and uh, Labour Policies, Labour Market Policies. So which part is that? Uh, the Five Stars Movement, sure. whereas uh, Salvini got the Home Office uh, um, department and so all the issues related to migration for example is in charge of them so you have these two different set of populists in government at the same time yeah how is, is, is that going to work do we think like, it's been there only for nine days or ten <laughs> so, <laughs> so is that quite a long time for, <laughs> for, for an italian government yeah nine days <laughs> yeah okay actually no uh, this is this is this is a question i'm i'm quite curious about is like it, Italy does tend to like Italian governments often don't last that long and one of the reasons like Berlusconi uh, made such an impact is because he was actually around for quite a while as Italian prime ministers go right what, what why 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 is the why, where the instability is it the kind of the regional stuff we already talked about or is it the electoral system or like what's the what's what, what why don't governments last um, I think it has to do with the electoral yeah. system and the party system. So you've got lots of small parties, at least so m- much more in the um, in the past. Uh, where so you have to create a coalition uh, between different small parties, and one small party might have a huge power over this the future of the government, and then might pull out, and the government collapse. So you had this. You had this issue with the Northern with the Northern League with Berlusconi. You had the same issue with the Rifondazione Comunista when Prodi was in power, and other small parties, even five seats or some some governments have got five seats majority, or and then also the interesting part is that uh, members of the parliament switch sides, which yeah. is something that you don't see very much in other. Oh wow. <laughs> In other countries, so they get elected on one party ticket yeah. and then switch to another party. Yeah, they change yeah. their their ideological view of the world in yeah. a few days. <laughs> Plus, I think um, the two chambers, so the Senate and the Parliament, are elected in different ways. So the, the way the seats are uh, assigned are different from the Senate and the Parliament. So maybe this creates also a bit of instability because if you got one chamber, there's more sure. towards one party than the other. I just thinking when you were talking about like being governments being dependent on the support of small parties, so I was just wondering if there yeah. might be any lessons here for, for Theresa May. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so like back back to the sort of north south divide stuff. Sorry, I do keep coming back to this because I find it fascinating. Why why is the north so much rich in the south? Is there is, is there any sort of accepted narrative about why this happened, or is it just it always has been? Well, that's one of the difficult questions. Yeah. You could ask the same thing about the UK. I think, I mean, most have to do with the historical yeah. developments in the past. So the, when they unified, the North was already industrial, uh, very industrialised and just kept growing since then, whereas the South kind of tried to... Yeah, and also maybe the, even before unification, you had the 
these different European countries have an influence on Italy. So, for, for example, southern Italy was mostly ruled by the Spanish. The, oh, yes, part of the Habsburg Empire, wasn't it? Yeah, whereas uh, most of the north was either under France or the Austro-Hungaric Empire. So maybe there's something cultural in there, these two empires being maybe more, I don't know, economically successful or with different economic strategies. I'm just guessing. It is It is also sort of interesting how this stuff persists. I kind of wonder whether some of it is just purely geography. It is kind of noticeable that both in, in Britain and in Italy, it's the slightly more peripheral region that struggles. Like, both southern England and northern Italy are kind of closer to the heart of Europe. So I wonder if there is just yeah. kind of the geography is destiny. Maybe it is. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, Putnam wrote the book on how, for example, there is a different level of trust, a different kind of culture when it comes to business. So, for example, in the south, there is no much trust among citizens, and that's not very good for business. Whereas in the north, uh, there is a lot of trust among citizens, and that's better for businesses. And that's kind of uh, going back to what Elena said, maybe a cultural thing coming from the Spanish and then coming from the north. Mm. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Where I'm... I'm... I'm, I'm slightly socially awkward about asking this, but where does where does the mafia fit in? <laughs> <laughs> well, is, that, is, is that also a factor in? I mean, it's probably both a sort of cause and effect of the south poverty, but the, the, the mafia is a southern Italian phenomenon, right? Uh, that's right. Although it has expanded, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's growth <laughs> industry, so. yeah, exporting its business uh, across Italy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, uh, going back to this kind of level of trust. Uh, it's a phenomenon of the South, so Palermo has been historically the capital of the Mafia. Organised crime is more, I think, now uh, based in uh, Napoli and uh, Campania, those regions there. And again, I think the fact there is not uh, much employment gives kind of ground to uh, organised crime. It's just sort of yeah. plugging a gap, basically. Yeah, yeah. But that presumably also has kind of, I mean, it just struck me when you were talking about some different levels of social trust. I just kind of wondered if that was a factor here, that like the, the South has had this kind of long-running problem 
Yeah, no, because I remember at the time of unification, I think that's where the mafia came in, in the sense that when Garibaldi went down and unified the country, they didn't so they just merely applied the same legislations to the rest of the country, the one that were in the north, they just applied them everywhere. And they weren't fit for the south, and so probably people seek for protection in the big landowners, and so that's maybe how it started. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. Most of the feudal approach to these things, we were kind of dependent on, yes, it's like <coughs> individual people rather than legal structures. Because yeah. the, the, the unification of Italy was basically like Piedmont just got, grew, right? It just kind of conquered all the rest yeah. rather than, yeah. Um, this is meant to be a cities podcast. If we haven't really said so let's talk about local government. <laughs> and so, like, how powerful are Italian cities in terms of setting their own their own agenda, their own policies? We're definitely more decentralised than the UK. We've got a very complicated, sophisticated system, depends how you want to look at it. We've got 20 regions, and then below the regions we've got 110 provinces. Not all provinces are the same. We've got 14 city regions, which are kind of the same as the combined authorities here. And below them we've got municipalities, which is the same here. All of them elected by in, at different times, all with different powers. It's not clear which powers regions have. They have all the powers the government, the national government, uh, doesn't have control over. This mostly means uh, schools, uh, something related to transport, social services, infrastructure. infrastructure. But, the, but the example we often come back to here is like, you know, if it, 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 it's always struck me as absurd that if an English city like Leeds wanted to build a tram network, the decision over wherever it gets to do that is not taken in Leeds, it is taken in London, in Whitehall, by people who may never have been to Leeds. Am I right in thinking that, like in Italy, like the cities kind of get to decide this stuff themselves to an extent? I think they definitely get more powers than Leeds. No, hundred percent. It depends on where the, of, on the region in which the city is located. Yeah. So, for example, in um, regions like Sardinia or Sicily, where actually the the, the regions are kind of almost autonomous. autonomous. I guess cities have much more power. So, for example, we had the. Uh, a, um, a tram lines in Sicily, in Palermo, and was a decision of the uh, mayor together with the region. So they've got more power than than other places, I guess. For example, other uh, in Genoa or Turin, but that's very much depends on the regions in which they are located. This sounds like quite a complicated system. It is. It is. Yeah. Why, what, how did it end up so complicated? Uh, I think it's because uh, it came from the bottom up rather than the, rather than top down. So they were already there, some the municipalities were there from Napoleon times, uh, so with the French system, and then on top of the layer there were the different kingdoms, so they are now the regions, uh, and then you got the national government. And then after the, um, the Republic, so after the World War II, kind of some regions were um, uh, asking for more independence, and then you had these other, uh, on t- the other system on top of that, that granted autonomy to these regions on the border, and that added more complexity to all this. So, so it's just kind of, it's, it's a developed organically, no one sat down and planned this system. No, I think so, yeah. Has it, has it evolved much in recent years? Uh, the number of provinces have went down and they introduced in 2015 the city regions, which we didn't have before. I don't, I don't think there's much of this conversation at the moment in Italy, they're just trying to get a government running. <laughs> but... <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I think uh, one of the reason reason why we got less provinces now than a few years ago it was precisely to reduce some of the bureaucra- bureaucracies related to having all these layers. Yeah, and I'm, from what I understand, it's more uh, discussion that it's uh, been held in the north rather than in the south yeah. uh, in terms of giving more powers to regional yeah. uh, unities or uh, mayors. Yeah. There was there has been a recent referendum, I think, last year on in Veneto and Lombardy, I think, about uh, having more powers or having retaining some fiscal powers. Does this fit into the same... As, as the, the, the League of Northern yeah. we were talking about, where it's basically just the North wants fewer fiscal transfers to the South, effectively. Uh, I think it started from there, and both these regions have got um, the, the person, the rulers of these regions, because of course we got elections for a mayor for the region, president, a president for the region. They were there both from uh, the League, and so I think the movement started for them, but I remember all parties signed the referendum uh, uh, request, so it went cross-party at the end. Uh, again, I, I think it's much more in the north than in, in the in the yeah. south. Uh, yeah, I think I, I mean the 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 debate in the in, in Italy, in particular in the south, has been dominated by the lack of jobs and how the economy is doing very poorly, rather than how to uh, change the local political system. And they're very dependable on the national government for money, so I don't think. Sure. And um, we should be wrapping up quite soon, so I want to move to just like to let's talk about some silly stereotypes. But <laughs> Finally, first, talk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago. I think during must be more than ten years ago when Berlusconi was still in power. Oh. Wasn't there a proposal to build a bridge from Sicily to the mainland? Yes, there were. Like big bridges. <laughs> Whatever happened to that? They didn't build it, did they? They didn't, no. Uh, Should I... they have done? Would it, was it a mistake that they did? Is that the thing the South needs? I guess, I mean, in, in the short term, it would have created more jobs, uh, <laughs> but there would have been just that. <laughs> what I happened mean... to that? I don't know what happened to it, but I know it takes ages for them to build uh, street, like new highways. Uh, so there are some highways they wanted to create, uh, motorways they wanted to create uh, to better connect the south. And they're still there, like us made of not ready yet. Yeah, so. for, for example, it takes like six hours from, uh, uh, for going to, to, from Palermo to Catania. So maybe they should have uh, concentrated on uh, uh, improving the so infrastructure down, within so. Sicily yeah. rather than connecting Sicily to the rest. It takes six hours to get across Sicily. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> not great. Okay. That's not. <laughs> and is it, sorry, is there any, does national government sort of feel any need to kind of improve the, the infrastructure in the south? or is this? Just... Um, well, you have, you have the stereotypes that just focus on the north, so the, the fast trains are mostly in the north rather than the south. Yeah. They stop at... Uh, Naples. Naples. One in Naples, but after that's that, it. After yeah. that, there is no more trains. Oh, that's very sad. Well, yeah. there are trains, but just not the fast one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and also it's funny because if you think about the south of Italy, so it splits, and uh, so you got routes from the north that go down to Naples and then towards Sicily, and then you got routes from the north that go on the other coast. But it's really hard to get from one coast to the other. Mm. Do you have to go back up to Naples and down again? I just think it takes really long. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's let's wrap up with some with some talking about some stereotypes. In the notes you guys sent over to me first, there is the question, are southerners lazy? So, Eleanor, are southerners lazy? Based on <laughs> Based on Gabriele's experience and all my friends, no, I wouldn't say that. Having said that all, uh, most of the southerners that move to northern Italy are the highly educated, so I can only talk for them. I don't really know about the rest. But I guess what I'm asking is like, oh, is that how 
Northerners sometimes see Southerners, is that? I think... <laughs> I think that Don't worry about it. Answer honestly. I think that, that, that was the perception, at least in the beginning, because of all, all of this idea of, oh, the Southerners steals our taxes. Mm. But I think, uh, as I said, with the, with the change in the Northern League to becoming a league, there has been a shift towards uh, who is the anymore. enemy now sure. in Italy. Okay, is there, is there kind of another stereotype in the other around? What have Southerners historically thought of the Northerners? They work too hard and then we go to the seaside. <laughs> no, we go to the seaside, we come to your seaside. <laughs> but, there's no, but there's no kind of like, all those northerners are just kind of like in a metropolitan snob as they're selfish. There's nothing like that. Right? Uh, there's a little bit of that, I think. A bit of that, yeah. The kind of stuff they just focus on uh, work, on their career. Uh, they look down on people from the south. Uh, they call us uh, terroni, this kind of stuff, which means... What does the money mean? I think people that work with the land? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Okay, just to finally, finally wrap up, let's do like, just an instant reaction. I will name a city, just say the first thing about it that comes mm. into your head. Like, just tell me what the city means to you. Okay, let's do Milan. Um, grey, definitely grey, uh, because of the architecture and also the weather, but very efficient and very chaotic, I think. Okay. Football. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Rome. Way more chaotic than Milan, even if I just use the same word. Uh, eclectic, hectic, messy, yeah. A living museum. Rome is weird like that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You just turn the corner and there's the Colosseum or something. Yeah. And also, like, they've not been able to build a proper underground railway. Because of, yeah. Because of that, Because every time someone digs yeah, a hole, they, they find some hole. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, what about Turin? Fiat. Uh, the oh, car manufacturer, yeah. yeah. Juventus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Naples? Pizza. Oh. Well, pizza. That's, from, <laughs> that's from there. Uh, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Baba. <laughs> yeah, it's food. Okay, last one, let's do Florence. It's beautiful. We've got the best museums in the country, I think. Is, is Florence like a cultural part of the... Together with Rome yeah. and Venice. And a lot of others. Yeah, you're not shooting them really. (sighs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.